You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the 515 Podcast. Jason Priestman here with John Wayne McMahon. John, how are you doing today? You ready? I'm ready, living the dream. Happy to have uh, a recruit in here with us today. Yeah, well, I was going to... You already ruined the illusion. I was going to say he's in the in the green room waiting for us to call oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not here. Yeah. But no, Clint Wiley's with us as well. Yeah. Clint, how are you doing today? Great. Enjoyed some great green room food and <laughs> beverages. See? Um, he knows how to do it. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You guys are really great hosts. Yeah, you're welcome. We, we're, we're in Jason's house, and the green room's the guest bathroom. Yeah, right? and I was also going to call, call this the 515 Studio. Yeah. <laughs> Completely ruined all my fun. Uh, but um, this is a big day. We have a guest again. That's it's been a while, and those are always fun. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I used to say that's going to take a lot of the load off of me. But now I'm looking at a long list of questions. Yeah, John, where did these questions come from? They came from Sunday. We did a uh, live uh, Q and R, live question and response. And hopefully you're with us on Sunday. Clint was with us as well as we gave um, our congregants the opportunity to submit some questions live. And we spent some time answering those or responding to them. And uh, there was a ton yes. of questions. And so that the leftovers are what we have with us now. Yeah, I was in charge. I was in the back actually taking the words off of the computer screen and putting them onto the other computer screen. And, and that was a very daunting task. I was stressed out the whole time. I was trying to find ones that were, uh, there was a lot uh, people asking the same question. I wanted to make sure to get that one up on the, on top, uh, and just a couple of others that I thought fit right into kind of the mood and the and the time we had available. So uh, I'm definitely glad that we're now able to kind of visit some of the other ones that were very worthy, but they they yeah. just weren't. We weren't able to get to them on Sunday. Yeah. So let me let me just say where we're at as we jump into these. Uh, told I told you guys Sunday. Uh, that Clint and I were not out to dodge any questions, and so we want to try and cover them the best we can. Now, what we ended up getting uh, was about 50 questions in all, and so even with this 515, we're not going to have uh, time to cover them all. So there are some questions that were either unclear for us, or um, maybe we thought they were duplicates of another question that we answered, or very similar to some other ones that we're, we're not going to be able to cover. There's some questions that we're pulling out that I, we're going to write a blog series in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. There are some questions that might have been covered in the 9.40 and 11 o'clock services, mm-hmm. so if you're at one and miss the other, that recording is up on the Vine channel, and so I encourage you to go listen to the other service if you haven't heard that, or if you're hearing this for the first time, go listen to both of them yeah. uh, and check out some of those those questions. Um I wish I could say that over the last two days, Clint and I have prepared for all of these questions, <laughs> but these are just about as live as if you were submitting them right now because you submitted 50 questions and we had a lot to do. Well, yeah. gosh, the gravity of some of these questions. <laughs> uh, we, we don't even know how to, yeah. how to begin to prepare for some of them. So Yeah, so uh, please continue to grant us lots of grace <laughs> and um, some leeway here. We're really just going to try and discuss the ins and outs of some of the questions and their more responses than answers yeah the last thing i want to say before we jump in is uh like if you enjoy this i'm gonna give the credit to the holy spirit if this is hard or difficult like i can take a full um full accountability for that uh this was john wayne's crazy idea to jump into this 
Uh, keep listening on the 515, but I will say that we've had some great responses to these. Um, and then uh, this is hopefully supposed to be a way to foster conversation so that even when we disagree on some things, uh, we can do it in such a way that acknowledges that we we love Jesus and we want to love each other and mm-hmm. we want to work through some of these things in a, in a good way. I think some stuff we'll talk about today, uh, I, I even if all three of us agree, I know there's some listeners that may disagree with some of the stuff that we we say today and bring up. And, and so we're hoping to do that with as much grace and humility as we can. And, and, I, and I hope that you can still um, reach out to us and, and conversate with us if you have any questions about things that we talk about. We're not doing this to try and hurt anybody's feelings, but we're doing this to to try and meet you where you're at and to discuss some of these things. Anything you'd add to that? Yeah, and we're not foolish enough to think that we have all of the, the answers and that, that our our side of it is the end-all, be-all. Um, I think we're, we're all going to approach this with a level of humility to say that there's some really smart people on both sides of the coin mm-hmm. that, that agree one way or another. And so um, not to say that, that everybody is right, um, but to say that that we understand that we don't know it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Good. All right, so on Sunday, I tried to throw you guys into the deep end right off the bat. Yeah. I think we're going to wade into this time. I appreciate that. Thank gently. you. We're just now starting to forgive you for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were some great questions that I was like, oh, man, I really want to hear the answer to these, but not in front of the big group. I was like, okay, let's save that for the pocket. And I was, I was being a little greedy. I want to save some good stuff for material for here so people will come download it. Um, what <laughs> I'm going to try and paraphrase this. Um, talk about music that is not traditional for uh, like maybe you're used to hearing in a church service. <laughs> you're being too nice. Ask the question. I, I don't. So is, okay, is music <laughs> is music that is not necessarily sacred in genre still glorifying to God, i.e., Christian rap? Okay, so the reason why I want you to ask that okay. for a couple of reasons. One, they're directly asking about Christian rap, and it's like I I get it. Like I listen there there is some genres of music that we don't all love to listen to. Do you listen to Christian rap? I do. Uh, right. shout out Lecrae. All right. Uh cool. yeah, there's some fun ones out there, but anyway, so let me let me get to the person that's probably asking this question a little bit. If rap were to show up in some of our more traditional sanctuary worship or something, I think that you may never come back again. Like, And I get that. But here's one thing that, that I want us to see in this question, and we're kind of laughing about it, but it's pretty serious. Yeah. Um, over the course of history, the, the Christian church at times has told cultures that what they bring to the table is no good. And so we did it with Native Americans. As we were ministering to Native Americans, we were telling them their drums couldn't be a part of worship. Mm-hmm. And I just want us to always remember that God is going to speak into cult. God's at work in culture even before we're there. And so God's going to speak through culture. And God speaks through Christian rap uh, to reach um, people in urban ministries and different demographics and different settings um, in a really cool way. And even like uh, weird middle-aged, wannabe hipster, white pastors like me. I like Christian rap. And so I think that God can speak through that. And and I know that there's a setting for different stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
and there's a way that we all relate to God, but um, Christian rap can be something that's very glorifying to God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can get in trouble when we we try to, to make all of culture conform to to us. Yeah. Um, and I say us as um, one segment of um, of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um, suburban America, uh, if we try to make um, all of culture submit to the way church is done in suburban America, um, we are, we're missing so much of the population to reach out to. Um, if you go to Costa Rica, church looks a lot different, and, and what they would call sacred is very different than what we would call sacred mm-hmm. in suburban America mm-hmm. churches. Um, and so I think, I think we have to be careful um, condemning other cultural um, representations of God. Yeah. Um, in our in our attempt to to worship and glorify God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I mean there's only twelve musical notes on on a keyboard or any instrument. Yeah. And just thinking of all the different styles of music that have been built and created and inspired by God, out of just those twelve notes. Yeah. It, it, that's mind-boggling to think about. So then, it's if we beautiful. take, you know, if you just take it to the next level and say, well, if this, if inspiration and in, in art is created by God, then how, how could it not be glorifying? Unless it's intentionally not. Glorifying well, I think, <laughs> but we yeah. got a creative God. Yeah, right? we yeah. do. That can reach cultures in in different ways. And the other thing is, I mean, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but the United Methodist hymnal didn't come down with the Bible at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it. Didn't, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, but so <laughs> holy cow! Wow. Okay. All right, we're good with that. Let's let's, okay. keep, let's keep moving. So let's stay on this. Uh, art, what's artistic and what is uh, glorifying to God? And go to the next question: um, tattoos. Yeah, the Old Testament says no, no. I actually added a second no because I thought it sounded cool. But uh, there are a lot of people out there who have tattoos. So yeah. uh, should Christians get tattoos? What do you think, Clint? Clint. I think anybody that has a tattoo should should really second guess their salvation. <laughs> so we're okay. laughing because oh, uh, John Wayne <laughs> has a very large tattoo that most people probably at KMC don't know about. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so question is uh, is a good one and one that I probably would obviously answer that yes, I think it's okay for Christians to have tattoos. Now, let me give you just a little bit of the conversation here. I don't want to go too far into it, but where this comes from is Leviticus chapter 19. (laughs) It comes from Leviticus chapter 19. And the word in Leviticus is talking about markings. It's talking about um, something that is being marked on the body, but this word that we translate to tattoo the word tattoo doesn't come around until like at least the 1600s or the 1800s and probably not till King James Version puts tattoo in there as mm-hmm. that word. And so what Leviticus 19 is saying is definitely not what we think or know to be modern tattoos. Right. And if we look at ancient culture, um, we know that the Canaanite society, the culture around them, they were actually doing like brandings and slashings and like some really crazy like body uh, altering yeah, changes yeah. and so in light of of the world around them it seems like god was telling israel i want you to do this so that you're distinguished from the canaanites around you so that you'll be you'll be distinguished so that you'll be my people and and look different than them and i don't think the canaanites were going to the local tattoo parlor and letting an artist uh 
do something, work through them on that. And so, anyways, I, I'm obviously a little biased, uh, <laughs> but that's kind of where I land. Uh, notice I went straight to scripture. I don't think that we can make a biblical argument against tattoos the way that um, some people think, and mm-hmm. we've we've grown up uh, learning. There, there, I guess there could be other arguments for it, but obviously I landed on a different place. All right, and, and listen, I, I don't, I don't have a tattoo, um, but that's uh, primarily uh, my mom had a big issue with tattoos, and so in respect and honor of her, um, when I was younger, I didn't get a tattoo. Uh, I, I moved into student ministry, um, and I didn't want to be uh, as I didn't want to be the thing that. That students argued with their parents and said, "Yeah, but Clint has a tattoo." Yeah, right. That's a good point. And so, I've I've not gotten a tattoo, um, not because I have anything anything against tattoos, but um, but if it if it's gonna cause somebody else to stumble, yeah, um, then it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, worth it for me. And and I'll say that um, some things that went into this for me was what it will it be glorifying to God? <laughs> I felt that it was, and and so what I got was very significant and very relevant to my salvation in, in Christ. And so uh, I also wanted to put it in a very strategic place. There's a reason why y'all would ask this question with me on stage because you probably have, don't know that I have this tattoo. And so um, I wanted to put it in a place that it wouldn't be obvious and uh, you're never going to see me rocking sleeveless shirts on, on Sunday morning. All so right, like, that's just how it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one? Let's do so. There before we forget this one. Yeah. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And so that. someone submitted a question about Ash Wednesday and Lent, uh, and so great question. Um, I think that it's one that we should uh, always talk about because a lot of the church, a lot of Kingwood United Methodist has all of these other denominations kind of mm-hmm. uh, clash together, and so <laughs> very simply put, let me let me just tell you that Lent is a time where we're. Um, introspectively preparing ourselves for a holy week and for the cross and for Easter. Uh, we're entering into this time of preparation. And so um, that's really important for us to, to um, identify those places in which we're giving more of ourselves to other things and to the created things instead of to the creator. Mm-hmm. And so this is an opportunity for us to fast and, and really pour into the disciplines and consider how God may be calling us for uh, for us to give more of ourselves to Him, and so um, that's those are some themes there. Ash Wednesday is a way of kicking that off, um, and by acknowledging uh, two major themes, uh, the way I see it is uh, mortality. So from dust you have come, till dust you you will return, mm-hmm. and so that's the the imposition of the ashes. Um, so we're acknowledging that this life is is but a breath; it is short, and so. Um, that we are uh, we are mortal that um, and and that is a sobering thing for us so that we can remember that God is God and we are not and so um, that's really an important start to this season but also to to say in this season we're acknowledging that there is real sin in our lives and we need to prepare ourselves for that because there's a reason why Jesus died mm-hmm. and and so that's kind of our approach to it would do you add anything to that? Uh, no, I mean, all I would say is it's actually one of the oldest um, things on the Christian calendar is is this idea of Ash Wednesday in Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it goes way back in our church history. Um, 
because early on they recognized the importance of of the the Easter season mm-hmm. and and what Christ's death and resurrection meant for us, and they began to prepare their hearts. Yeah. Um, even way back, um, yeah, as early as uh, I think it's somewhere in the hundreds. Yeah. Um, and it's important. Look, anything in the liturgical calendar, we do it over and over again, yeah. so that we're shaped and formed by this. Okay. So that we're shaped and formed by knowing that we're mortal and we're knowing that we're fall woefully short, but that is tempered and celebrated and transformed by the fact that Jesus dies and is risen. And so all of that is something that I need to go through over and over and over again. We talked about that with Advent, um, and so that's that's important. Good question. And I want to just ask one quick question without putting us uh, too much longer on this. Um, Let's say people are downloading uh, download this tonight or listening to this on the way into work tomorrow and they have ashes on their forehead. What is a good kind of uh, explanation if some a coworker says, what is that on your head? You know, why, why do you have that? And, and uh, kind of help them through that conversation. I mean, it sounds like an opportunity to disciple, but... Yeah, well, it's an, oppor- it's an opportunity to witness and to say witness. that... Um, I believe that this is the beginning of a season where I get to consider how God may be calling for me to give more of myself to Him. And I'm acknowledging that uh, in, in sight of God, uh, this is a humbling experience for me, and I, and I walk through it in that way. And so we're, we're declaring that with those ashes that, that are imposed on us. Yeah. Good deal. Good question. All right, let's go a little deeper. Um, who should be baptized? <coughs> Baptism, obviously, um, is traditionally done you know for children mm-hmm. and but all the older people can do that as well mm-hmm. uh, older than babies that's what i mean yeah um so do baptized do people that are baptized as infants need to be baptized again okay um and also i'll throw in there um when do you normally baptize your child good good so um Methodist, we'll start with the Methodist Church. We believe in infant baptism the reason why we believe in infant baptism is because we believe the work that is done in baptism is the work that God does in us and through us and not the work of an individual. And so also what is happening at baptism has already happened in the cross and the resurrection. It's already been accomplished, and now it's becoming very real for that individual. Um, and so that grace is available to all. And so the, the message to the infant uh, in infant baptism is before the world ever gets to say anything— Uh, God has the first word, that this child is loved, this child needs to confirm their baptism by acknowledging and taking on the truth that is done here, but it doesn't require the child to do anything to earn it. We just got to confirm it as Mm -hmm. we grow up into that. And so that's why we believe in infant baptism. We celebrate that. Um, There's another part to this question that I'll just go ahead and answer. Why is baptism necessary was another one that Mm -hmm. someone asked. And baptism is not necessary for salvation. Like I, I want you to hear that because we have we have this question of infants dying and like they were never baptized mm, and right. um, and then you know children that listen. I went twenty I went twenty two years thinking I was baptized as an infant and I found my dad found out that wait a minute I don't think you were baptized oh. and so I had to go find the church records and then get baptized after yeah. I was already on staff at a church. And so can you are you going to tell me that if I had tragically died before that moment and I didn't know that I wasn't baptized that then even though I was in Christ I wasn't I wasn't going to spend eternity with yeah, Christ. Yeah, no magical hocus pocus that yeah. happens in this, in yeah. this moment. Yeah. But what it is is the outward and visible sign 
of the inward and spiritual grace. Mm -hmm. And so baptism is necessary for me in that I think you need to declare to a community that you have died and you've been risen again Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. So, And I also think that there's something powerful in the uh, grace that's poured out in that moment. Um, so I think that that's, that's really important. Do you so want other, to add to that? <clears throat> other denominations might say um, something very similar in their explanation of baptism. Yep. That it's an outward, in, an outward invisible sign of an inward change. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a key difference in mm-hmm. that word change versus grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, because an outward invisible change means that there has to be um, change in someone's life. They have to have dis- decided that they were... Uh, that they're going to follow after Christ and their life has changed and then the baptism happens. Yeah. Uh, whereas we be- we believe that it's an uh, of an inward grace. Yeah. And gr- and Christ is grace before we ever yeah. came to know him. Yeah. Yeah, the wor- and, and again I just want to emphasize for for Wesleyan Methodists the work in baptism is done by God. Mm-hmm. It's not done by the minister, it's not done by the person. It's done by God pouring out grace on that person. And we, even if you're an adult, you still have to confirm the truth of that baptism. You still have to walk the walk later on. And so that's still necessary. Um, So the rest of the questions, do people baptize as infants need to be baptized again? Of course, based on this explanation that I just gave, Methodists would say, absolutely not. We won't even baptize you again. Mm -hmm. Because again, we believe that whatever you think went wrong, it was not on God. God in the first baptism. God's grace didn't change for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It maybe now you're more open and receiving it, but God's grace has already been declared for you, and so now you're confirming it later. So what we do with individuals that get to that moment, we do a remember your baptism kind of celebration mm-hmm. or prayer or something like that, where we do kind of a recommittal, but we don't rebaptize again. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right, so let's uh, segue into that. Was a four minute discussion on baptism. That's a huge thing. That was good. I feel good about that. You want to cut this out and put it in your sizzle reel? Yeah, maybe. I'm never going to be able to explain it better than that. So (laughs) it's good. Um, What What should uh, a believer do um, uh, about uh, if they have a a spouse that is a non believer, Mm -hmm. um, and they're concerned about that spouse's salvation? Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to, you know, if the believer dies and goes to heaven, is their spouse going to be there? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, are they, is there like a, a some sort of policy, blanket policy that covers them with, you know, in, in, yeah. <laughs> under your belief? or? or? Well, so, so I think God's mercy is, is how we're saved. Okay, God's mercy and grace is how we're saved. And for any of these questions we just entered into a kind of a category of questions that's going to talk about salvation and things like that yeah. um, for any of these questions I'm not going to go too far as to prescribe who's going to be who's going to be in eternity and who's going to be left outside of eternity right. you know and so I don't know the answer to that um, I do know in the Bible that whole households were baptized together or the parents' baptism counted for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, like, again, that, that's not a formula that we can apply everywhere. Um, if, you're, if you are in a relationship, uh, if you're in a covenantal marriage with someone who, is not, who, who thinks they don't believe in God anymore, that's a, that's a tough place to be. And I just encourage you to pray for them. I encourage you to continue to be patient and mm-hmm. to 
to give them space to wrestle with that. Um, if you're in a covenantal marriage relationship, that's not a reason to, to get out of that covenantal marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you're not in marriage and that becomes a problem, like that's an issue. One is a Christian, one's not. That is a real problem, and I'd really talk to a pastor about that. But in in the relationship, in the marriage, you've given yourself, both of you have given yourself to each other before God, and so stick in there, okay, and 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 work through that, and talk to somebody about it, and don't let that fester. And and for the believer, pray, 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 and and just love your spouse, uh, with with everything you got. Model Christ to them. That's patient mm-hmm. and and long suffering and long working through things, and so I think that's really important. Clint, yeah, I mean it's natural for people to to enter in and out of seasons where. Um, their faith may may waver. Um, we see that I've seen that in my own my own walk with Christ, um, and so I think patience is a big piece of that. Um, patience and love is is huge in that. Um, I think it's important to, like you said, continue continue to to invest in that and continue to not um, not force something on them, but but to love them through that. Yep. So, and obviously, I mean, when we say non-believer, um, that can mean does doesn't a person who doesn't believe in God at all, but it could also mean, uh, or, or the person asking the question could refer to people who are believers of other faiths, like uh, Buddhism or Sikhism, one of the other non-Christian mm-hmm. uh, faiths. Uh, so there's naturally a question: um, Where do believers of other faiths go? After death, and since you 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 already said you don't know the answer to the question, <laughs> yeah. So, but um, put you on the spot again. Uh, right. So again, I don't I don't want to be as uh, as quick to say who's who's going to be where. I think that Jesus speaks to us being surprised of who will be in heaven mm-hmm. uh, in that 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 time. Um, it'll be shocking to us. I think that some that that believe they know Jesus actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he speaks to that. And so that's not a reason to, I'm not trying to make, to put fear in the, in the Christian's head right now, but I just know that this isn't as clear and simple and formulaic as we want it to want it to be. It's interesting that this question was about, um, it's interesting that this question was about Sikhs and, and Buddhists. Yeah. Because, uh, Sikh, Sikhism is a monotheistic religion, and so they're just very different. So yeah. I would just approach this about all, like oh. we're asking about all other religions. So when we're thinking about um, John 14, uh, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those kind of statements right there give me an urgency uh, to want my friend or neighbor who is a Buddhist or... Mm-hmm brother or sister who is a Sikh or um, those, you know, friends of mine that are Islamic, um, I want them to know Jesus. I want to share that with them. And because I think that scripture is very clear that that it's a narrow path and, and Jesus is integral of, of being on that path, that he's the door and that he's the gate. And like all of those things seem to be very important. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to be as arrogant to say this is they're going to 
these people are going here and these people right. are going here. But I am going to say that there's an urgency for Jesus and for the believer to share Jesus with, with others. Okay. Yeah, there's not. I don't have a whole lot to, to add to that um, other than uh, God is the, is, the, is the sorter of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can get into a lot of trouble when we start to play that, that role. Mm, and that's we a start, good point. We start to outwardly point out um, that you're going, you're going to hell. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I think it's important that we that, that there is an urgency um, to continue to share yeah. the love of Christ. Um, some of the people that Jesus condemned the most were the most religious people. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, I think it's important. Jesus just showed love. To everybody that he could, yeah, um, and pointed them in in the, in the direction. Yeah, I I I want to clarify that I I'm not saying that all roads lead to to heaven. I don't I don't believe that. No. Right. Um. So, but but I mean, there's a reason why I study world religions, mm-hmm. uh, and I continue to study them when I can because I want to build bridges with people that are then that are in these other faiths. Um. Because I. Because I don't believe that they have uh, truth at the center like like we do, and and that's offensive to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that. I do get that. Um, Christianity is offensive because it's saying that God had to die for us uh, because we were jacked up. And I and I understand that, <laughs> um, but I want people to to know about that. And I think this is that. a good one of those uh, types of questions where we're not going to answer it today. But there's great conversation to be had, and if you wanted to take your pastor out for coffee someday, um, this could be kind of an ongoing. You'll probably get more of what I just said. <laughs> uh, oh, well. No, but no, no, but no, it's good. That's good. All right, let's let's move on. Um, so here's I'm gonna just read this question because I kind of like I like the way it's worded. And I'm okay. gonna try and paraphrase it. The Bible outlines the challenges of people who are financially secure slash rich, and the challenge of getting into heaven. Um, since people in Kingwood are mostly pretty well off, how do we balance financial security with how God wants us to give back? And this is one of those I almost threw uh, three guys under the bus on Sunday, but there were just so many good ones to choose from. And uh, I, I said, okay, this this would be perfect for the podcast. Uh, Clint, you want to take a stab at it? Yeah, I think that there's um, there is this tension. There's just, uh, we get passages like the rich rich young ruler right where he says what do i have to do to get into heaven and jesus says go and sell everything that you have yeah right and give it to the poor mm-hmm. and so does that mean for us uh, we also see the the axe church right at the at, at the very beginning of the church they they pull all of their resources together and mm-hmm. and sh- just give to the poor and so for us we we start to ask the question okay i have these things does that mean that I need to sell everything that I have, mm-hmm. become broke, um, and have no financial security for my for my kids, not to send them off to college or whatever, but for us to live in a cardboard box and love yeah. Jesus, in order to yeah to go to heaven and to be a follower of Christ, um, and I think um, I think we have to find a balance in there, yeah. right? Um, and so I think I think the the balance is where we find, uh, is we find the kind of the answer to that question, um, is 
it doesn't say that that money is the root of all evil. The love of money right. is the root of all evil. And so, right. Um, so where, if money becomes a god for us, yeah, then I think that we we find ourselves in a tr- in a tricky place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like I think that uh, so even in premarital counseling, when I'm counseling a couple that's about to get married, we talk about money as uh, status, money as control, um, money as uh, fun, like you know, getting to do things like you need money to be able to have fun, that kind of thing. Yeah. And money as money as control, um, there's a level to that that I think is intelligent. Like we gotta have, we want to have some money to, to have security. But if if money becomes our source of security, uh, well, we've seen natural disasters take away everything in a real hurry. Mm-hmm. And if money was our security in that, then that's a real problem. The other thing I want to want us to point out is I think a healthy mentality for us is when we get to the point that. Um, like, I want you to make as much money as possible. I really do. Like, I want you to do it ethically. I want you to do it in a way that you're not abusing your family. And I want you to do it in a way that you're witnessing to your business and to the people around you. But I also want you to do it so that you can give more to the kingdom. Like, and I don't mean that in this weird, like, uh, we're going to build a televangelist church. What right. I mean is that God gives us these gifts God has given us all that we have. And so if I can set up uh, an emergency rainy day fund for my family and I can start putting a little bit of money away here, that security gives me the ability to give even more to uh, the kingdom and to the church and to these different areas. And that's a different mindset. Now, if it's like, well, I'll just get to this point and I'll just get this and I'll just pack all this up. Now we're starting to think about it in a different way. And if, if you get acid reflux when you read this, some of the things that Jesus says about, you know, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your things yeah. and give to the poor. If you get serious acid reflux, well, that might be the Holy Spirit putting a little seed in your heart there, yeah, there you that maybe money has been too much of, of something that you worship or follow after. If it is not a joyful thing for you to give and support, I think that that could be a sign. Good? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the big things that stops people from giving um, is that that they've handled money poorly, um, whether that's debt or, uh, and I don't want to get too far into that, but right. I think our good our our good stewardship of our money um, helps us to be able to it frees our our mind, it frees our stress level to be able to serve um, and to glorify God well in our lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, so the next round of questions kind of um, goes into, or we've categorized them as purpose. What is my purpose type question? Yeah. Which is great. That's yeah. where we just kind of uh, came from in the sermon series. Um, why do we ask God for guidance, but sometimes we can't feel him or hear him respond? Uh, and I kind of I paraphrase that one a little bit, but... Um, that's definitely one of those where it can be tr- it can be hard sometimes to yeah. to really devote yourself to you know I always ask these questions but I don't hear physically a voice yeah. out loud that answers me and tells me what to do you know so I guess that's kind of it's going into that kind of realm of questioning yeah so for me real quick I think this question first of all all these purpose questions I refer you to last week in the podcast we yes. preached on this yeah. Uh, the primary thing of giving ourselves to God more fully, and I think that's where we find purpose. But when it comes to a question like this, um, 
seeking guidance from him and not hearing him speak or respond. Sometimes, or a lot of times when I find people wrestling with this, uh, they're only going to God looking for guidance. Right. And it is those that are worshiping the Lord and giving themselves to God that they're hearing from God mm-hmm. well before they're seeking guidance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. And so I think that that is something that's... that. If, if God becomes more of a genie in the bottle, yeah. <laughs> then I think it is going to be really hard to yeah. hear God and to, um, to to hear that guidance from him. And so I think that's critical to know where your prayer life mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said that God speaks in a whisper um, not, to, not to mess with us or to make it hard for, for, for him to be heard or noticed, yeah. but so that we have to be near to him in yeah. order to hear it. And yeah. so I think there's something interesting about that in that when, we're, when the rest of our lives are integrally woven in, into the life of God, um, it's so much easier and we're so close to God, it's so much easier to hear his voice um, whether that's through the reading of the Word of God or um, through a song on the radio or um, or just our our natural leanings start to follow the the course mm-hmm. and the ebbs and flows of of God's will and grace. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Good. Um. So this question talks a lot about, um, I guess. The, 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 uh, like a Christian minister who is, you've talked about this before in past sermons or maybe on the podcast, uh, the guy who stands on the cor- corner, oh, yeah. uh, waving megaphone. the Bible, megaphone, yelling at people, telling them they're bad and wrong. Uh, so I think the question, if I could paraphrase this one is, how do you show people that Christianity is not like that? Uh, so let me just give a quick answer to this because we th- there's a few that we want to get through and we don't want to go too long today. But yeah. um, so this one for the, for the person, this is probably someone that's on a college campus that that's seen this, or at least I'm imagining that. And there there have been different ways that I've responded to this. Uh, sometimes I've actually sought out conversation with people passing by that seemed to be hurt by that, mm-hmm. and so. Um, there's a there's a more intentional way. I don't know if I would ever go as far to like go and set up another picket and like you know try to have a rival like <laughs> yeah. thing going on. Um, but you know, interesting thought though. Right? Yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting. But like at some point, it just becomes like more of a game or something. You know, um, maybe strike up a conversation with a person that walks by and is is obviously put off by that. Yeah. Um, I would. I don't know if I would encourage anyone entering into a conversation directly at Megaphone Guy because he's in a place that he probably doesn't want to hear yeah. hear you, at least from my experience. And I've tried to talk to him before. So And the best thing I, do, I think to do then is just um, you behave the way that you believe Jesus wants you to behave. Yeah. And that will kind of speak volumes. Yeah. I th- yeah. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully, um, by your actions, you're able to love in a way to other people that is much more um, impactful than some guy that's clearly irrational and yelling at folks. Yeah. Yep. Good. All right. Clint, I know you have to go pretty soon. Do you have time for a few more questions? Or? A few more. Okay. Uh, let's go through some of these. Um, someone asked the question, why does no good deed go unpunished? And I've, I've heard that saying 
a lot. You seem to be less familiar with it, yeah, but maybe, I've, been here, I've been around this earth a little bit longer. Maybe I'm a baby. and Maybe that's what it is. They had to explain this one to me, but as I understand it, uh, sometimes when we do good things, they can <coughs> lead into some negative consequences yeah. for doing those good things, right? Am I, am I getting that right? That's about right. And I think, I think I, okay, I get it. I, I just don't want this ever to be a reason why we don't... Don't do good that, things. <laughs> yeah, that our, our general, uh, we're always bent towards doing things that are good that are loving to other people like i don't want us to be our quick judgment like oh no if i do this then it'll blah 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 lead to that that's kind of a calculated pessimism yeah that's that's not really great yeah Yeah. Uh, the other thing i would say is yes sometimes it hurts to help people and as christians there are times in which our charity could be um not could be misused and let me give you an example and i and again you need to really think through this with prayer before you just stop giving to people that's not what i'm saying but like when we uh, at the church we support people's bills and we help people like once a month or once every couple months mm-hmm. and we keep those records because we also want to create within them the urgency uh and not the dependency yeah. on the church so that they can um go out and be able to make the money and find jobs and things like that. When we go to Africa and automatically give a tractor to a village that doesn't know how to fix that tractor, we're probably hurting that village. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's that's how I'd answer that. What if Jesus prescribed you the same? Yeah. In Italy, right? Yeah. 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 I mean I'm, I'm probably I'm gonna die at the end of this, so I'll just won't even Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Every blind or paralyzed person jesus like and they'll probably not live the life that i want them to so i'm not going to heal them there you go <laughs> they may hurt someone down the road anyways it's just a it's a bad calculated pessimism yeah. i think all right, right. <clears throat> let's get clinton here one more time uh before he has to go um why do we naturally lean towards our path instead of god's path when uh we know that he has our journey planned out for us and that's a quote from the question so um, I, I know that you guys have some con- continue with the phrasing of this. Yeah. Maybe this sounds like a little predestination as well. Um, but I want to hear. Uh, yeah, Clint, I'll response. let you swing, swing first. Uh, you know, I think it's it's interesting when um, when we start to uh, sometimes our natural tendency, right, is to um, to please our own self de- selfish desires, right? Uh, I mean, Paul talks about this idea of. Uh, I know what I ought to do and I know what I want to do, but I sometimes I just can't do what I want to do um, and what I know I should do. Um, and uh, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit in the in the prayer and kind of discerning God's God's will for us. Um, but as we draw nearer to God, mm-hmm. um, He changes our wants, right? Um, I say to our students um, regularly, um, I smoke as much weed as I want to do, you know? Um, I have as much, uh, uh, I, I drink as much as I want, but God has changed my wants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's changed the things that I desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden now, um, the path that I, that I want is, is God's path. Yeah. Um, and so I think just as we grow nearer to God, yeah. um, our, our desires change mm-hmm. yeah. in that process. Yeah. And, I, and don't pigeonhole yourself too much in this whole thought of pathway and every plan that God has and things yeah. like that. I I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't get too pigeonholed in that. I would think about the the temptations in your life 
or the thing, the decisions that you're making that you know are not what God has for you. And let's let's figure out, let's be in community and figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then for young people that are standing at a at an impasse, do I go this way or do I go that way? Just just relax, and if it sometimes God's going to speak to you and go go that way, but yeah. but probably. He's going to work within whatever decision you make, and he's going to either teach you something that's going to be very impactful for down the road, or he's going to lead you in a different direction. And so, I don't know. That's just kind of my two cents. I like the analogy I came up with, so good, uh, oh, good. credit for Jason Prefer on this one. Yeah, um, yourself on your own back. I'm doing it. It's my podcast. Um, it's Jesus' podcast. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not like God's path is the bumpers in a bowling alley. That where you just let the ball go and it can't go anywhere. It's going to bounce off and eventually hit the pins anyway. It's more like there are no bumpers. And you can throw that ball and it could go into three lanes over. And eventually, uh, you want that ball to go to those pins. (laughs) But God's not going to put the bumpers up and force you right down this alley. Yeah, it was better in my head, but... All right, so Clint's got to get out of here. Yeah, let's take a quick break and let him go. Yeah, thanks, Clint, for being here. Appreciate it. Jason's here, back with John Wayne. Yellow. After a quick little commercial break. Yep. Um, so we're we're actually we've whittled this list down quite a bit. Yep. Um, and we're on the last page, so this is really the home stretch. Home stretch. Let's um, talk about, and this was one of those questions where I really wanted to put it up on the screen on Sunday, but I knew that this was going to be. Um, we could answer more questions in the same amount of time. I think yeah. you know, yeah, and kind yeah. of get around. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of bang for your buck. If God chose the Jesus, the, the the Jewish people as His chosen, why didn't they believe Jesus was the Messiah? And why did He? And why did God choose them? Okay, so why did God choose the Jewish people, or or more more accurately, why did God choose Israel or yes, the Israelites? the Israelites, or why did God choose Abraham? I mean, we could all. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So I just want to clarify that, okay. and I don't, I don't exactly know why. Uh, True, you didn't. Why God decided to reveal Himself in that way, mm-hmm. but He He revealed Himself in a man, and then through that man, through to a family, and through that family to a nation, and mm-hmm. through that nation to all the nations. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why He did that. If God chose the Jewish people as His chosen, and He's all powerful, why didn't they believe Jesus was the Messiah? Um, so that question's kind of inferring if God's all powerful, then he could, he could make them know that he is God and Jesus is the chosen one. Right. But that would, um, that would eradicate the free will that our relationship is founded on from the very beginning. Uh, our ability to choose God or to not choose God. Um, so I think that that's, that's critical, and I think that sin and the fall of man, uh, sin has so veiled us from truth and has so kind of poisoned the water well to the point that even when Jesus is with the very people that have been expecting a Messiah, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is the answer to Israel's yearning for a Messiah, he becomes the King David. He becomes the new Moses. He becomes 
uh, the answer to the covenants, but he does it in a nuanced and transformative way that they miss it. Yeah. And even the ones that are closest to Jesus, it's it's part of the horror and the beauty. It's part of the just the just how amazing that is. And so um, I don't I don't know exactly why, other than to say free will. Um, and yeah, let's stick with that. I mean, yeah, and I think we've talked in the past on this podcast yeah. about um, what the Israelites were looking for, right. what they were asking yeah. for, but what yeah. the prophecy was telling how they interpreted that proper yeah. prophecy. So yeah. I think we've had a lot of really good conversation on that kind of question. Well, yeah, you just have and to understand. Well, first of all, when I say you have to understand, we don't understand the culture and the context. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm reading a huge work right now on Paul, and we, like, Paul was darn near, near a zealot. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he was. I mean, he was killing these new believers, these Christians, mm-hmm. before... Uh, God comes and saves him, but so he is a person who uh, is so convinced of what he knows from the Jewish text that a king is going to come that will defeat the enemy, uh, that will reclaim the throne, that when a person doesn't come around and start beating up the Romans, then he thinks that Jesus is, and this Jesus movement is, is heretical, it's, it's blasphemous, Mm -hmm. and so um, but at the same time, Jesus is the one that reclaims the throne, and he defeats the enemy, and that's death itself. And so in, in some ways, they're looking, they're looking right for it, but they're looking in a way that's so pigeonholed and specific yeah. that they're not seeing the big work that, that God's doing. And man, God does that in our lives all the time. Um, so yeah, don't really have a great straightforward answer for yeah. you, but, but I think there's a lot to, to learn there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, this episode might be uh, pushing the record book for some of our longest ones. Yeah, I I'm there's exhausted. A, there's a I lot more. Nap. I know we have to get up and stretch once in a while. I know that there's even more questions that you want to talk touch on, but not here today, right? Yeah, so we'll thoughts. do some that'll blog. Okay. We're going to do like a three or four, five-part series. Um I don't. I'm not gonna tell you when that's gonna be because I don't know. <laughs> it just be because I want to develop it. So one yeah. one of them in particular, and we mentioned this Sunday, is there was one about uh, clinical depression mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So uh, we we'll come back to that in the blog. Um, there was one more category. You want to talk about the last category? Oh yeah, I forgot. Let me go. Yeah, yeah. So there is one more category of questions, and that was about um, LGBTQ. And we had a lot of questions in, in multiple services about that. I'm just going to glance over some of the questions real quick. Okay. And let me just say that I'm not going to spend time answering each one of these. I'm going to try and present in just a few minutes the big problem, mm-hmm. the big issue, and, and what were, what uh, are some of the feelings on either side, kind of where the church is, uh, and maybe where John Wayne is as well. Yeah. This is the topic uh, today that it's so important for our listeners to to not haunch up and just kind of take a deep breath mm-hmm. and um, let's allow the Holy Spirit to bring us together and to help us to work together on this because good, uh, Jesus-loving folks land on either side of this issue. Yeah. Okay, I think that's really important. And, and people in our congregation. And, and you know what? We just a moment ago talked about uh, with a guy on campus at a college campus with a bullhorn yep. uh, yelling and, and, and There's how... people on either side of this topic doing that. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't want to be that person necessarily. Right? All right, questions. Why is the church reluctant to identify alternative lifestyles as sinful? Um, 
How do you lovingly respond to a friend, a family member, someone you encounter that says they are a believer and living an alternative lifestyle? How do you address those who are LGBTQ in a, in a place of love and guidance? There was a couple others. You know, if I didn't mention them out and you still want to discuss them, uh, reach out to me personally. I yeah. thought I thought well, at least one of them was um, too personal to even address, mm-hmm. and so I, I I feel comfortable with you doing that. So so important again to know that on both sides of this issue are loving, faithful, Jesus loving people, and on both sides of this issue are people that are not approaching us in Jesus loving, faithful ways. Okay, yeah. and so we want to be the former. We want to be those that that are loving Jesus and entering into this conversation. With humility. Now, um, these the people on this issue, I think, comes down to scriptural authority. Okay, and this is really important for us. One side says that the scriptural presentation changes to how culture is. So, the when Bible was written, mm-hmm. that time is so different that it can't like it. It's not going to speak directly to our culture, and some of that is shift. And they would point towards things like women's rights like slavery um and then to say that now this understanding of lgbtq it's it's very different um the other side is going to say that this scripture is inspired by god and it's absolute that it doesn't change for culture and that scripture helps us scripture in fact helps us to interpret uh, culture not the other way around and so that's critical and so um this side is going to look at passages like 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, 1 Timothy 1, uh, even the Old Testament passages and say uh, when it talks about homosexuality in, in these ways that it's, it seems to say, um, and we you know this, this issue says that Scripture seems pretty clear okay. that homosexuality is outside of the original design for marriage. Okay, and so... Um, that is that's the issue right there and so do you see how scriptural authority is kind of the big issue sure yeah and it's actually caused our denomination to be close to splitting on this because mm-hmm. one side of the denomination is kind of saying okay yes scripture is helpful yes it's inspired by god but um either they're saying a these passages don't mean what we thought they did or b they they aren't as relevant to us in this time and the other side is saying no 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 these scriptures are still relevant and they still mean the same thing, and they still got to be the way in which we interpret culture around us. Um, and so that is critical. You see how both people are trying to get at Scripture, trying to yeah. explore that. And so I want us to remember that. It's the other arguments that aren't taking Scripture seriously that I have a hard time uh, dealing with okay. and, and being in conversation with. Uh-huh. But the ones on either side that are looking at Scripture and, and, and operating from that, um, that we can it's easier for me to have a conversation because we're talking about the authority of scripture in that way. The denomination, the traditional uh, orthodox understanding is that all people in our, in our book of discipline says this, all people are of sacred worth and sacred value. And so all people, God came for all that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for all people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we believe that especially as good Methodists that we believe that. And so uh, we always want to be in ministry and serving and loving uh, to to everyone that's around us. Um, however, when it comes to this issue, the denomination is going to say that that homosexuality or this kind of this topic around LGBTQ is outside of the design of God's design for marriage for man and woman. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's kind of the denomination stance. The meth the King Wendy and I Methodist is going to align themselves with that traditional view of of the denomination, okay, and sure. we stand we stand in line with them as yeah. well. Um, my stance is I can't um, get to a place where those scriptures mean anything other than what they say. Mm-hmm. I fall in line with the church and with the denomination, um, and and I try really hard to see what the other um, point of view is with that and. I'll continue to be in conversation with people, um, but that's that's where I fall with those those scriptural passages. And for me, um, scripture is is everything for me, mm-hmm. and so that's really important uh, for me to uh, interpret culture in that way. Um, that doesn't mean that our church, and that doesn't mean that I don't love and care for all the people that God brings into. Our community, and I pray that our community is always welcoming to all people. Jason, here's the big kicker for me. It grieves my heart that this is the one topic and the one subject that we have to focus on. And it's been held up under a microscope. And at the same time, divorce rates are going up in the church. And and marriages are falling apart because addiction to pornography. And like all of these things are, are just such a problem that... That we've we've spent so much time on this that mm-hmm. it's been difficult, um, and so there's questions about why why is the church not so quick to condemn alternate lifestyles and things like that? Listen, for who forever's asking those questions, know that the leaders at Kingway United Methodist Church has has chosen to focus on what God has put in front of us as the most important thing, and uh, passing out condemnation. Uh, cards is not our style and not what we think God's called us to do. And as a matter of fact, if we were to start condemning, uh, condemning people outside of the design that God has for us in this Christian life, we have a lot of people to talk to, (laughs) but that's not our job. Our job is to love and to minister and to care for people. And, and I know some would say, well, you're just not taking a stand at all. Um, but I think I, I think I am. I, I think, think so. Are. Yeah. I really think that that has helped me. Um, I, I'm really interested in, in what yeah. the explanation you just gave from the the conference, you know, the church and the Methodist denomination. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. I, yeah. I hope that others are as comfortable with that. And like you said, if there are deeper questions or more personal ones that yeah, please reach out to me. I know that y'all. I know there's listeners to this, and there's people in the Vine Worship community that this answer is not satisfactory. Sure. Yeah. And there's loved ones in your family and people that you're close to um, that would that disagree or live live in a, a life that that is different than what mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these things to to condemn. I'm just saying this is where I think Scripture falls. Uh, I, I want to be your pastor and I want to be here for conversation if you want to do that. There's a reason why we don't preach on this every week in the pulpit. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I mean that with love and great humility and yeah, come talk to me if you need to. Email me if you'd like. Um, that's it. So I think we covered uh, like 50 questions. Yeah. <laughs> Con- condensed it down to a manageable kind of yeah. uh, quantity. Yeah, so... Um, let me let me say this about all the other questions too. If you if you want some clarifying thoughts or yeah. something, uh, shoot me an email mm-hmm. uh, and we can maybe get together. I, we will get together at some point, yeah. but just know there's a lot going on. I would love to email you back and be in conversation. 
Um, but at some point, I'd love to talk to you guys if y'all have any further questions about some of these. Or if you didn't hear your question come up, reach yeah. out to us. We just couldn't get to them all. Yeah, please do. All right. Well, friends, um, uh, thank so, you for listening. Yeah, so tomorrow's tomorrow, Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, 7 and 7. 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you've missed the 7 a.m., there's you still have a chance Yeah. tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, 7 p.m., both in the sanctuary. And what, what can we look forward to on our with our Lent season? Uh, we're beginning a new series that's focusing on the upper room discourse, so mm-hmm. the final teachings of Jesus and John's gospel. Uh, so that's going to be really fun. So what what why what are going to be the main topics and themes that Jesus are going to want to uh, Jesus is going to want to share with his his friends his disciples before he leaves? We're going to look at those things. Sounds good. I look yep. forward to that. Thanks All right, so friends. Much. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Take care.